The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Sunday, May 26th, the greatest spectacle in racing returns. The Indianapolis 500 on NBC and Peacock. 33 of the world's fastest drivers go head-to-head for a chance to kiss the bricks, taste the milk, and claim their place in racing history. Experience the drama, the pageantry, the tradition. Live from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Indy 500. Sunday, May 26th on NBC and Peacock. Or listen on Sirius XM NBC Sports Channel. With the first jewel claim. Oh, it's a photo of the Derby! Mystic Dan! The race for the Triple Crown erupts into an epic party. The Preakness Stakes, May 18th on NBC and Peacock. Simsisms. Fuel the flames. A lot of the, the you know... Regular Joe football fan, he's not going to know. He's just going to look at that. Well, pretty throw, touchdown. And when Justin Fields yeah. is in, they score, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. So that's just going to continue and, and you know fuel the flames of this conversation. Simsisms. <laughs> I missed that one. Uh. I had no involvement. There will be times, I'll admit, that I will send a text message to the producers saying, oh, we had another Simsism today. But I, I that one... I don't know if I'm just numb to it. <laughs> Fuel the Flames doesn't sound that bad. No, it's it kind of is another one of those that's like, yeah, you're like, is that a real thing or not? It's not a real thing, but uh, it is Fuel the Fire, right? Fuel the Fire, <laughs> fan the Flames. And, I, and, and I'll, I'll tell you this. It was so non-obvious, I didn't get a single email wow. from anyone wow. pointing it out. And I still get emails from people over well-established Simsisms that they should know. <laughs> have already been documented, repeated, discussed. I still get those. So nobody sent me a Fueled the Flames email. So it kind of makes that sense. That was kind of makes sense. It's, you know, you it do, works. You can fuel the flame. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah you yes, throw some fuel on the flame. That's going to be real. Yeah, it's going to be a big flame. <laughs> fuel the flame. All right, let's, uh, let's fuel the flame of concern for Dallas Cowboys fans. Mike McCarthy, second-year head coach of the team, giving the update on Dak Prescott and that lingering shoulder strain that has kept him from practicing or playing so far in the preseason. Here's McCarthy. I mean, Dak's status is, uh, I would guess, continue to classify it as, as limited. We'll just continue to the throwing regiment and keep building up the volume. So, so at this point, with this being the last had at practice, is it fair to say he won't play? Well, there's a good chance he probably won't play. Yes, that's fair. Look, if he doesn't play at all in the preseason, and this year there's only three games, not that anyone who starts ever plays. It, it's very, very rare that you see starters in that fourth preseason game. Only three chances this year. If he doesn't play at all, we're three weeks away from tonight. Yeah. Cowboys at Buccaneers right. to start the season. How big of a deal is it for Dak? If he's assuming he's even able to play week one and God help the Cowboys, if he can't play week one, then it's Garrett Gilbert, Cooper Rush, or whoever else they roll out there. But 
how big of a deal is it for him to be ready to play if he's able to play if he hasn't had any preseason reps? It's a big deal, but not as big a deal as putting out Garrett Gilbert or Danucci or somebody like that to start the game. You know? How do I, how can I forget Ben Danucci, my right. countryman? I know. You got Ben Danucci, you got Garrett Gilbert, you got Cooper Rush. Any between the, you could take the three of them and put their best attributes together and you'd still all due respect not have a guy you'd want to put on the football field in a regular season game. Right. Right. I mean li listen, I, I don't know if what the original plan was in Dallas. But it certainly seemed like the early training camp that he would play a game or two. I mean, I never heard anybody state it early on that, like, yeah, you're not going to see Dak this preseason. Yeah, I would think, you know, at a base level, a guy that got hurt, what was that, week four last year against the Giants? Week four or five, right? Somewhere in there. So I would think that Dak would want to get out there and, you know, just feel the game a little get, bit, get some reps, do some things like that. I would think the Cowboys probably wanted that for him as well. But now with this injury, it's just become too risky. And, you know, that risk is less than like what we're talking about, putting Garrett Gilbert or Danucci or Cooper Rush out there. They got no chance of beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with those three. I can tell you that. No chance. So they need him to be healthy and ready to go, at least to play. Yeah, he probably is not going to be his 100% best self now that he doesn't get to play in a preseason game or practice and do those things. But still, like you're saying, an 85 90% Dak Prescott is better than any of those guys any day of the week. And I think that's what they're balancing. And, you know, last thing, Mike, again, it's a weird injury. It's a weird injury. I've never heard of a quarterback pulling their lat muscle throwing a football. It's I, I challenge anybody to really come up with one. I know me and my father have thought about it, and I've never heard of it. So that's probably why they're being extra careful too. The fact that they don't have anybody on the training staff who knows how to deal with it and they had to go to baseball teams right. to get their advice just shows you how rare and unusual the injury is. Chris, help me understand this because yeah. I can't figure it out. Last year, they had Andy Dalton I know. as the guy ready to go in the event that something happened with Dak Prescott. And something happened, and they needed Andy Dalton. Now this year, it's Gilbert, Danucci, and Rush. And we, we talked earlier in the week, the Jaguars are, I think, waiting and hoping someone makes an offer for Gardner Minshew. That would be a great alternative. I wouldn't feel nearly as bad about Minshew than I would about the other three if Dak can't go. Why do you think they've done a 180 on having clear veteran presence with starting experience 2020 and nothing 2021? I, I, I don't know. I really don't know what the logic is there, right? Like last year, we thought it was a smart move because you went, man, the Cowboys might be a Super Bowl contender before the season and all that, right? So you went, oh, that's good to have the backup quarterback. I don't know if they came to the determination like, hey, we got the backup quarterback and it didn't matter. He didn't really help us as much as we would have liked to. But, I, of course, I don't think that was – he was the reason. Andy Dalton wasn't the reason. How about having, like, the worst defense in football? That was a reason. I mean, it was just hard to overcome. So, I, I don't know if they feel better about the three guys they got behind Dak now. Maybe they've improved. And, of course, they're getting to see it firsthand. Or maybe they're doing, like, kind of what you're saying. They're just kind of waiting on the back burner here to – see one of these veteran guys released or maybe make a trade for him right before the release to do that type of thing. But I, I Don't would, you want the guy there, though? I would you think so. You need the guy there to yeah, get him ready to I learn know, your offense. I know. I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I don't, either, I don't get it either way. I mean, that, that would concern me, especially from the standpoint that 
this is going to be an offensive-driven team. I mean, we know that. Yeah, I expect the defense to be better. Dan Quinn's going to make them better. The personnel fits his scheme better than it did Mike Nolan and all that. But we know at the end of the day, it's still going to be about the, the, the passing game in Dallas. It, it is. It's going to be all about those receivers and winning games that way. And you're right. I mean, right now I have no faith in those guys behind him to, to win games with their right arm and getting shootouts against Brady or whoever else. I just don't see that. Um, so I, I don't know where they would go, but I would think at some point here they're going to at least get a guy with a little bit more experience to make them feel better. Um, but but still, here's another thing, too, I want to bring up, Mike, just real quick, sorry. Like, I watched Dak Prescott last year before the injury, and I watched Dak Prescott after the injury. There is something different in his throwing motion. I know you and I talked about it on the podcast like two weeks ago, but there definitely is. I had clips next of last year compared to the ones I saw this year in hard knocks and all of that. Last year, it was a smooth takeaway like this. Now, this year, for some reason, it's this, it's this more of this, which hinges on the lat. And I, I know I explained to you a little bit, like because he's, his, his right ankle was broken and he's a righty, I don't know if he overcompensated or recruiting muscles because he can't push off with that back leg. So this helped him create a little bit more power. But from a base level as a thrower, I think that's why they're being very slow with this because it's concerning, it's rare. Like you said, it's a baseball injury, and they're just going to make sure it gets totally 100% before they throw him out there and let him go. One last point on yeah. the absence of a veteran with starting experience. I'm reminded of Ted Thompson, the late GM of the Packers. This was several years ago, seven, eight, nine years ago. He was asked why he didn't have a veteran presence behind Aaron Rodgers. And his explanation was they don't do that because they don't want to jinx the starter, which makes, frankly, absolutely no sense whatsoever. But if any GM in the league would think like that, I would say Jerry Jones would be the one guy who would think like that. We jinxed him last year with Andy Dalton. We don't want to jinx him by having a guy who's ready to come in and play who's been a starter in the NFL. That's the only plausible explanation I can come up with, and I only say it because Ted Thompson once actually articulated it. No, I I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm surprised by the current state of their roster, too, at the quarterback position. I'm with you there. You know, I, I mean, there's – I would think there's going to be some teams out there that have some quarterbacks with experience that are going to be, you know, on that cut deadline or, you know, we're not sure if we're going to keep him on the roster. Uh, but, you know, you make the point. Yeah, you'd like to have that guy in there to learn the offense. But at the same time, I think as of right now, they feel like, it, you know, we don't need him to be that, that guy we might trade for to know the offense. Dak is still going to start week one. And that guy might have, you know, have some time to, to learn everything in the offense. But definitely peculiar to me. I'm with you there. This also goes back to Peyton Manning's time with the Colts, where he never had anyone never. who was really ready to come in and play behind him. Pete has <laughs> this is John Gruden and Ron Jaworski from apparently years ago asking Tom Moore, who, you know, legendary offensive guru who was with the Colts then why he wasn't giving some snaps to Peyton Manning's backups. Moore is a man of few words, but when he talks, those words have weight. He looked us both in the eye, paused for a moment, then said in that gravelly voice of his, fellas, if 18 goes down, we're F dash 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 D. And we don't practice F dash 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 D. That's the point. If, Maybe and, and that's I've heard how they that, feel, yeah. 
I've, I've heard that as it relates to not having a third quarterback. And I think it was Mike McCarthy who once said, we don't have a third quarterback because if we get the quarterback number three, we're already screwed. Well, some teams look at it as if you get to quarterback number two, you're already screwed. Maybe, maybe that's what they came to. the. It's kind of what I was saying before. Maybe they came to the determination last year, like, wait, why pay, you know, a backup that kind of money and do those type of things? It didn't really affect our season or do anything positive for us, you know? So maybe they are taking the approach of like, hey, we'll save that money. And if Prescott can't play, then we're just not going to be as good. And that's just as simple as it gets. Maybe they are. I think it's risky, certainly. Mike McCarthy can't feel happy about that. I mean, if Prescott gets hurt and there's another underwhelming year, man, everybody's going to be calling for his head. I mean, so I would think from from his stance, at least, he would want a guy in there with a little bit more experience. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Hey, when you got $160 million over four years tied up in Dak, it really doesn't leave much money in the no. budget for the backup quarterback. That may be the simplest explanation they've over leveraged the starting quarterback budgetary allotment they don't have any money for anything other than Garrett Gilbert Ben DiNucci and Cooper Rush all right let's pivot up to Indianapolis where Carson Wentz still recovering from that foot surgery from a couple of weeks ago Frank Reich head coach of the team asked the question do you get the sense that Carson Wentz is chomping at the bit here's Reich's reply yeah, 100%, Mike, he's getting very antsy, very antsy, and, you know, got a hold, you know, he's wanting to push the envelope, as I would expect, and, um, but he's got to be patient and, and just stay focused on the mental side of it right now, and we got to let things take their course, but at the same time, there's a time to push things, and we'll keep doing that as, as it's appropriate. In the perfect world, we have a really good idea after that third preseason game, and Carson would get to work two weeks going into the first game. I mean, that's the perfect world. I mean, the the next perfect world is he only gets to work the game week, okay? And, uh, but I don't know if that's gonna happen. You know, it could be week two, week three. I mean, we're still, that's still to be determined. I mean, we have not, he has not pushed it. I mean, everything's going well, but we have not pushed it yet. And so we're gonna have to wait till we get to the point where we push it and see how, it, and see how things respond. And we just don't wanna do that too soon, too fast. Yeah, look, th- this is the balance that we knew they were going to deal with. You talk about a 5-12 to 12 week range. The quarterback who is trying to prove that he can still play, prove that he's not injury prone, prove that he can get on the field, is going to be pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing to get back. There's no shame in that. The challenge is for the training staff, for the doctors, for the coaching staff to say, hang on, can't do it, stay off your feet. Relax. We got to let the healing process take root. We got to do all these things. We got to check all these boxes. We got to do the rehab just right, or you're going to get back out on the field and you're going to break it again, or something else is going to happen. And, you know, we talked about the Prescott lat muscle right. injury, part of the compensation yeah. for the, the broken ankle. I think that's part of what the Colts have to worry about. Will Wentz not just be healthy? Will he be confident in that foot, or will there be some other problem that arises, the other calf muscle yeah, in the right, other leg, right. right? How many times do you see that happen where some other leg, muscle, area group, whatever, because you're focused on protecting one, no you doubt. have a problem elsewhere? These are all things they got to take into account before they put them on the field. Yeah, yeah you're definitely right. No, no doubt about it. And, and you know, they got to take a soul. You got you to, like we're seeing with Prescott and Hard Knocks, you know, Carson Wentz from what we're hearing – like, you got to protect these guys from themselves. Quarterbacks are, you know, hey, there's a reason they're a quarterback in the NFL. 
They're psycho. They wake up. They think about football. They put their head on the pillow at night. They're thinking about football then. Everything in life is around that. So, yeah, you do have to have a guy like a Frank Reich or a McCarthy or whatever. Just be like, whoa, whoa, you know, pull the reins. Out. Whoa, horsey. Let's let's not go crazy here. You know, I like I told you, I do still think they're hopeful that he can play week one. I, I think they're they from what everything I've heard from people in the know there that week one or two is still a real thing with Carson Wentz. But, you know, you make the good a good point. They got to make sure he's good, not overcompensating to save that. That causes some other problem. Uh, all of that has to be taken into account. And, you know, we'll, we'll see where their uh, little backup quarterback situation goes here and who kind of takes the reins. And if they can feel confident going, you know, Wentz is only 80%. But we think we can get away with one game with Ellinger or Jacob Eason and do that. That's a determination or probably something that will factor into this a little bit as well. And Eason and Ellinger will be playing on Saturday night in Minnesota preseason game two. Frank Reich said yesterday he'd like to decide before the final preseason game on one guy or the other. And this is a point we made earlier in the week. At some point, you got to get the guy who's going to be playing ready to play. You can't continue to split reps. you got to say – He's our guy, and our job now is to do everything we can to get him right. ready for week one against check schedule the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, no, yes. I mean, you, you, you got to do that. You got right around that pre, you want that, that two week, you know, window of going, wait, you're the guy. You get all the first team reps. We're talking to you about the game plan. This is what their defense do. Get all the checks, everything like that. You know, I'll be interested to see where it goes. I know Ellinger has impressed them there during camp. And he is gutsy and tough and going to do the right things and all of that. But Jacob Eason has more talent. You know, Jacob Eason's arm is the real deal. I would still, unless Ellinger, because everything I know, I think Ellinger might start the preseason game this week. I thought I heard that, um, that he might start this week. But I still would be shocked if it's not Jacob Eason as the guy in week one if Carson Wentz can't go. And this is the other side of it, too. Even if Wentz is healthy enough to play week one, how ready can he be? Yeah. yeah. That's that that that's where you want to have some trepidation as well. This is a guy who had limited training camp reps, no preseason with a new team, with a new offense, although he's familiar with Frank Reich and how he does things. Still, everything is new. Everything is different. Man, it's even if he's physically ready to go week one, you can't expect to see the best possible Carson Wentz. And you've mentioned, Chris, a couple of times how difficult that schedule is right out of the gates. My goodness, this is not – This is. it's never an ideal outcome for any team to have their starting quarterback have an injury question like this going into any season. But when you've got Seahawks, Rams, Titans, Dolphins, Ravens, bang, 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 I bang, mean, bang, man. right out of the gates – when is Wentz really going to be ready to go? Yeah, no, I, I know. It's, it's, I mean, it, it's unbelievable. And we know, like, okay, maybe all those, all those teams were, you know, except for the Dolphins were in the playoffs last year. Dolphins just missed out. I mean, at the base level, the one thing I can tell you is all five of those teams will be real good this year. I'm not sure they all make the playoffs, but it ain't going to be no cupcake or easy, uh, you know, task beating those football teams with or with, with Carson Wentz let alone without him, that's for sure. So uh, that that's where I'm sure there's a little bit like Carson Wentz is smart to where he knows, like, man, I, I need to get out there. I need to get healthy. We've got a tough schedule. He's probably going, crap, I missed the first two or three games. We could be 0-3, and, and the damn season could be over by the time I get in there and play. And that's probably in the back of his mind, you know, making him chomp at the bit even more. 
at least there's that 17th game this year that gives you a little more time, little more time to right. make up ground if you start off 0-3. The Broncos would like to avoid starting 0-3. They'd like to make a good decision about starting quarterback. Vic Fangio, coach of the team, was asked yesterday whether Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater will both play in the third preseason game. Here's what Fangio had to say. But I, I would imagine they will. I mean, do, you, do you think you have all the information you need to make a decision about the quarterback right now? Uh, pretty damn close. But, I, you know, we got more information coming. Okay. So where's this at today if you're pretty damn close? Nice try. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> Look, it's Locke. It's got to be Locke. Locke is the guy that allows that offense to be as good as it needs to be, and they made the strategic decision a couple of years ago. Just look at their draft picks. Let's make our offense into as good of an offense as it can be. Let's not try to load up a defense that can stop Patrick Mahomes because nobody can other right. than the Buccaneers. Uh, let's make our offense as good as, as it can be, and Drew Locke is the guy who makes their offense as good as it can be. So I think barring a disaster – from Drew Locke in the second preseason game, we're going to see Locke named the starter by by next Thursday at the latest. I would think so, too. I'm with you. I mean, the fact that, first off, this is coming off like a really awesome performance by Locke in a preseason football game where you went, whoa, like he made some throws and plays where you just – your jaw drops. I mean, he looked like the real deal. I know, like, the Vikings didn't have all their starters in there and things like that, but still, it had a look to go, there's something here, and – you know, yeah, you laid out all the points. I, I, to me, all signs point towards Drew Locke as well. You know, but but I, I, I expect it to be him unless he just totally screws it up, like you said. I think if it was like, yeah, I mean, it, of course, if this was still a toss-up, you wouldn't he wouldn't hear that type of comment. And I think even if Teddy Bridgewater was in the lead. I don't think you'd hear that comment, too, because like you said, they see the talent of Locke and maybe what he could do for the offense, and they'd give him that chance. The fact that they might call it this early in the training camp and in the process, yeah, speaks loudly to me that it's going to be Drew Locke. Next up, we're going to play some fill-in-the-blank, which includes a very odd stat about one team's recent success. I'm intrigued. Hopefully you are, too. We'll discuss it next here on PFT Live. It's fantasy football draft season, and no fantasy app is better than Yahoo Fantasy. Whether you're a football insider who took 15 years to win your home league or an ex-quarterback who is about to get embarrassed by your nephew, you're going to need the number one app in fantasy. Download the Yahoo Fantasy app today. I hadn't read that before. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you, Pete. Sticking it to both of us. All right, fill in the blank time from... Recent developments and events. The rookie quarterback who impressed me most last weekend, week one of the preseason, was who, Chris? Well, you know who that is for me. It was Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, for my money, you know, first off, had to start the game, the emotions of that, and then it's the in-town rival, the New York Giants. And to me, he just made the most realistic NFL regular season type of throws and plays. And then, of course, yes, from the pure throwing standpoint – I don't, you know, again, yeah, it pops off the screen to me. How quickly he can get out of his hands, you know, and then the the pace in which he can throw it once it is out of his hands is really impressive. So he's the guy I looked at that uh, that jumped out to me. 
I, I got to go with Trey Lance, not because of the full body of work. He had four sacks. There were some that were his fault. He yeah. held on to the ball too long. We looked at that early in the week. But that play, when he rolls left, sets up on his own, I think it was 13. 11 or 12, yeah, somewhere in there. And the ball was caught. He's on the left hash at the 13. The ball was caught just outside the numbers on the other side on the opposing 43. Yeah. That's a hell of a throw that is. in your first preseason game. Yeah, the rest of it wasn't perfect. Kyle Shanahan said some good, some bad. But what was good was pretty damn good. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, his pure raw ability pops off the screen. There's no doubt about it. It's going to – I don't doubt. He'll make splash plays when he plays. There's no doubt about it. It's just going to be the other stuff in between that we got to see. That's going to be about the biggest development. You know, can he make the right reads? Can he make the proper throws? Can he do the right thing in the pocket? You know, can he play quarterback? I know he's an athlete, but right now to me, he's an athlete who plays quarterback instead of a quarterback who's an athlete. You've heard me say that before, and that's what I want to see more and more as we go. The rookie non-quarterback who impressed me the most last weekend was who, Chris? Who? You know, the three linebackers, I, I'm going to go with Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick him. You know, the three rookie linebackers, Zayvon Collins and our Micah Parsons, have been phenomenal. Owusu-Koromoa, I'm just giving it to him because undersized linebacker, huge need at the position for the Cleveland Browns. He didn't start the game last week, but I would think he's going to start this week with the way he played. I mean, he just jumps out on screen. He's a heat-seeking missile. Uh, and he's fun to watch, and he made a number of plays right off the bat. Plays middle linebacker, Mike. Then they blitz everybody, and he's covering the slot receiver man-to-man. -man. I mean, what a weapon to have a guy like that. So he really jumped out to me. I'm going to say Micah Parsons. So many of the first-round picks, so many of the draft picks are projections. Yeah. Micah Parsons seems like a guy that, number one, it was a known entity. He was going to be great. And you take him and you plug him in, it's like having a seven-year veteran yeah. just like that. Right. There it is. Problem solved. We got a guy who's a rookie who carries himself both on and off the field like he's been around forever and is already an all pro. And here he is. So th that's impressed me more than anything else. All right. Uh, Mid-September, by the time we get into a couple of games and the season takes on a life of its own, the NFL's taunting emphasis will be what, Chris? Well, like, what do they mean by what do we mean by that? Like NFL's taunting emphasis. I mean, what like, will be the mood? What will be the vibe? What oh. will we be saying about this point of emphasis on taunting? Well, I, I think that we're gonna have a few. We're gonna have a few plays every week where we're gonna go. They shouldn't have called that, or they're being too touchy there, or something like that. Controversial, I guess, is the word I should say. Thank you, Pete. Pete gave me that one in my ear. Yeah. I think we're going to have that just because there's so much notoriety around the subject right now. And there are probably going to be a few throw flags thrown in some big moments because players aren't quite used to it in September. I, and I'll say it will be overblown because it already is overblown. Yeah. I wrote something last night. It occurred to me, look, at a certain level, this is a PR failure by the NFL because this isn't a new rule. This isn't a new expectation. Taunting has been prohibited for years. And we tried to explain yesterday the idea. It's okay to celebrate. You just don't celebrate in someone's face. That's right. Anytime you do that, it's taunting. And because they got away from calling the flag, and this is the Tyreek Hill rule, for lack of a better term, as you would say, but throwing the deuces up at your opponent, not getting called, and then it sparks the reaction by Antoine Winfield Jr. in Super Bowl 55 when he gets down in his face, giving it back to him for the incident where Hill did it to Winfield and it wasn't called week 
11 yeah, 10 or of 11 the regular somewhere season. in there yeah right so i i i i think that they they just did not do a good job of explaining it of making i think it caught everyone off guard it caught me off guard like why is everybody upset about this why is twitter all pissed off about a rule that's been on the book for, for years we all know i know you can't get in someone's face and flex on them why is everybody upset about it now it really was odd to me and 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 i i still think that you're going to have people who are complaining about it. and there's always the group who just complains about anything yeah just to complain but people are still going to be complaining about a rule that that has been around for a very long time yeah i'm Chris. all for it i don't i don't want to see that disrespect of other people and ron rivera said it right yesterday peewee kids and their moms don't need to see that that's not the example we're trying to set in football to show up somebody every time you do something good all right the ravens 18 game winning streak in the preseason is what very impressive i don't give a damn if it's the preseason or not it says something about the culture of the ravens you know, that's where I look at it to go. It's It just shows you that it, they always have a complete football team. They're always physical. They always do the little things right. All those type of things. You know, they're old school. You know, it, old school wins. Sorry. I know everybody was getting on Joe Judge here in the New York area because he made the players run when they made mistakes. Wah, wah, wah. Great. I'll tell you this. All the teams that are consistently good in the NFL, for the most part, are old school. You, the Patriots, old school. Baltimore Ravens, Harbaugh, old school. Mike Tomlin, Steelers, old school. Sean Payton, Saints, old school. It's about that, and the Ravens exemplify that. They're always always pillaging the biggest, baddest dudes on earth, and uh, I'm impressed with it. I don't care if it's a preseason or not. This 18-game preseason winning streak is the longest since Vince Lombardi's Packers mm. from 59 to 62. Old school, they won Mike. 19 in a row. I, I'm I'm going to make it much simpler than than how you put it. And I'm reminded of a profile of the Harbaugh brothers from 2010, 2011-ish. John Harbaugh is so freaking competitive. Yeah. He doesn't want to lose any game. Right. Preseason, right. postseason, regular season, off season. He doesn't want to lose anything. They, I, I, if I recall this correctly, they were so crazy about competing with their video games. One of the kids or the dad or somebody, I, I, th I think one of the boys got so upset, ripped the video game out of the TV took it out back and like chucked it down into a ravine. <laughs> That's how competitive they are. So I think this all traces to John Harbaugh. He wants to win every game, sure. even when he's going against somebody like Bill Belichick, who doesn't give a crap. I mean, we saw him last week. He doesn't care. Yeah. Challenge flag, bad call. I don't care. Let's move on to the next play. So that's, that's I think, the reason John Harbaugh Nothing, and it's not criticism. He's just extremely competitive. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. Our draft for this Thursday edition of PFT Live coming up next. The things to look for in preseason week two. We'll do that next right here. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record! 
stage. Unbelievable. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. Olympics this summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. For the world's greatest athletes, this is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. An Olympics unlike any other. The Paris Olympics, Friday, July 26th on NBC and Peacock. He's always been someone I've definitely like uh, modeled my game after. You know, I've tried to always kind of copy what he's been doing. You know, because he's done it. He's done it the right way for such a long time, and um, you know, he's just a fun player to watch, and he, he just plays the game the right way. You saw you out there in the middle, like the special teams we were talking about, James and Mike came over, and James grew up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, James is James is a big fanboy. He was getting a little nervous. So. <laughs> no, no, I'm a big fanboy too. We all got to kind of pretend like we've been there before, but uh, we we enjoy just being out here and, and being able to talk to him. We've talked before at how young Zach Wilson looks. How old does Aaron Rodgers feel when he's standing there talking to a 13-year-old? And then the tweet, is this what Chris Sims dreams about? You know it, Zach baby. Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Ooh, the baby. and the present it's seem like to porn be past. for me, Mike. I'm sorry. That's just what it is. Good sorry. Lord. All right, let's keep going. Things to look <laughs> sorry, forward to season week two. Give me the trivia question, please. <laughs> All right, way to ignore my comment. Good job by you. What AFC West QB had the most pass attempts of any QB last week? I, you know, it can't be a starter, right? right? I'm thinking Chase Daniel, but I, I was watching that game. I don't think he played a lot. Or let me just throw a dart and say Chad Henney. Oh, negative Ghost Rider. Sorry, Nathan Peterman played the whole game as the only guy for the Raiders. Oh God! Right, the whole game. The whole game. Yes. Wow. Hey, one thing, I'm, I i don't know. I'm just going to say this before we start the draft. I said this on my podcast yesterday. I, we know Mariota was on the trade block in the offseason. He took a pay cut. I got every indication watching that game on film that, like, when we know from hard knocks and everything, Gruden has a love affair with Nathan Peterman to a degree. I, I just wonder if Mariota will be maybe one of those guys on the trade block at the end of training camp. Like, if I'm the Baltimore Ravens, I'm calling the Raiders right now going, we need a backup quarterback because McSorley gets hurt every time he steps on the field, and we'll be out of the Super Bowl hunt if we have to rely on our backup. That would, or some, the Cowboys. Or the Cowboys, exactly. So that, that just jumps out to me. Mariota, of course, fits the Ravens' way they play a little bit more. That's why I said that, but yes. I believe Mariota got a no-trade clause when he agreed to take that dramatic pay cut, but if hey – if, if you're wanted somewhere yeah. and you see a potential path to the field, then you take it. That's right. And Gruden was all in with Peterman in the 2017 yes. draft, I think, the year yes. of Mahomes and I Watson. Know. Gruden was all over. Of course, he was also once all in with Johnny Manziel. So that, that, that should tell you a lot about 19 and 29 in three years with the Raiders. The fact that he was all over Nathan Peterman and Johnny Manziel. All right, you get the first pick. Things to look for in week two of the preseason. Man, I hate to be like this obvious, right? But, uh, but I mean, the, the three rookie QBs, that, that's what I'm No, look- no, no, no. You can't do all three. Okay, you fine. You got to give me one. We, we got to get three rounds of the draft. Come on. <laughs> okay, fine. All right. I'll go to Trey Lance 
And that the Trey Lance with their matchup this weekend, I even forget who they're playing here because I got to look at they the, play Chargers. the Chargers. That's right. Chargers. Yeah. I got it. I just want to continue to see, like you, we talked about earlier, there is some flash and some wow. And then there's also some what? And you miss that? And what? Huh? So I want to see if we improve any of that. I want to see if Shanahan continues to put him in positions for all of us to go, wow, to open up the door to go, hey, Trey, you could still start week one. We're going to, you know, get all the clamoring going and all that. I think that's the one that jumps out most to me. 7.30 p.m. Eastern, Sunday night, televised nationally on NFL Network, 49ers at the Chargers. I'm going tonight. The first game, one of the first games yeah. of week two of the preseason, right. the Philadelphia Eagles, the only game tonight, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network, Patriots at the Eagles, Cam Newton. Can Cam show us enough to hold off Mac Jones? Mm -hmm. The clock is already ticking. Jones looks like he runs the offense more smoothly, more decisively, more efficiently than Cam. What will we see from Cam that may make us think he can he can stave this off. Because I know week one of the regular season is the focal point, but for the Patriots, week four of the regular season has got to be the key. That's when Tom Brady comes back to town. You want your best quarterback on the field. You want to know who it is by then. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch too. You're right. Every sense you get out of there is like, it seemed like, hey, it was going to be Cam, but Mac is doing so good that it seems like even though New England doesn't love rookies playing, that there might be that chance there. Okay, here's another one that I'm kind of interested to see just because of some of the things you read and what you hear at a camp, right? Now, I know you got one catch last week, but I, Jamar Chase, I'm going to be watching him a little bit closely this week. You know, there hasn't been raving reviews about him in training camp to this point. I know we talked about it on a podcast, I think, like a week or two ago. Yeah, he missed football last year. I don't care what you say. You're a wide receiver. You're not in football shape. I don't care who you train with. So, I mean, he's the fifth pick of the draft. They they passed up Penny Sewell for him. You know, I, I am. I'm going to I'm gonna definitely give that a close look this week to see if Jamar Chase really looks the part and can he be that bona fide number one guy for the Bengals right here in year one. That's part of a great Friday night split screen. NFL Network, 8 o'clock Eastern, Bengals at Washington. Also at that same time, 8 p.m. Eastern, ESPN, Chiefs at Cardinals. So two games, nationally televised, same time. That doesn't happen very often in the NFL. No. So uh, fun to watch both of those games at once. Next one for me, I'm going Monday night, ESPN, Jaguars at Saints. The Saints quarterback battle. Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, who looks better? Where will the clues be? Who gets more reps? Will they maybe have Taysom Hill out on the field when Jameis Winston is playing quarterback? Who knows? But that's one that I think is going to go all the way down to the wire, and it could go either way, and we're going to get, I think, plenty of additional information on Monday night, even though we're still a couple of weeks away from knowing who it's going to be week one when they play the Packers. Yeah, that's a good one for sure. I mean, that's that's probably the – most like what what I want to say equal quarterback battle we got in the NFL right now where we're really like not sure where that's going to go so that will be interesting uh let's see my last pick you know I'm going to go to uh I'm going to go to I'm taking Sam Darnold I am I mean hey it's a new team it's a new look he's got some support around him I want to see what Sam Darnold looks like in this offense with some of these guys they got in Carolina that should be pretty cool they got the Ravens Saturday night I just I'm interested to see his look, the offense around him. I think Carolina is one of those teams to kind of watch out for this year. Not saying they're going to make a playoffs, but they got a roster that I look at and I go, I think they could be a pain in the butt for a lot of teams in the NFL. 
Can the Panthers end the 18-game preseason <laughs> winning streak of the Baltimore Ravens? Last one for me, Saturday night, 8 o'clock, Vikings hosting the Colts. Yeah. First look at Kirk Cousins. The quarterback position has been muddled, to say the least, in Minnesota because of the COVID issues. How will Kirk run this offense now that Clint Kubiak is in charge? How much will we see from him? And and just that whole just that I just think there's got to be some frustration organizationally about Kirk and the vaccine issue. I want to see how he does first time on the field with this potential or actual distraction that's going on as Mike Zimmer makes his thoughts known about getting yeah. everyone vaccinated and and available each and every week. Let's take a break. When we return, we will wrap up this Thursday, Friday for Chris edition of yeah. BFT Live. Woohoo! Great meaningless moments in NFL history, preseason plays that wowed us. How about LeGarrette Blunt, 2013 preseason? Reversing field, he's weaving, and he's loose down the sideline. There's still an opportunity to make the tackle, but it doesn't happen. Blunt with the 51-yard touchdown in a game that meant nothing, but it's all part of getting ready, getting in shape, being able to finish the play, and getting to the end zone with the dive. I like that. I do. You know, hey, and, and Pete tells us this is a new feature we're going to have for the balance of the preseason. Apparently, there are a lot of great preseason plays that we just kind of forget about because they're from meaningless games. Yeah, no, it's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see what we got here. But, I mean, I don't know. I guess we didn't have preseason last year. I'm so excited for preseason games this year. It's unbelievable. Like you said, I'm looking forward to the weekend, looking at all these rookies, just seeing some of the new players on new teams, everything like that. So uh, it's fun. I'm just glad we got football back and some fans in the stadium and you could just feel the energy again. Patriots-Eagles again tonight, a preseason fixture every year, Patriots and Eagles because of their proximity. They need to call it like the Tim Tebow Memorial Bowl because he he was on both of those rosters in two separate preseasons. Never well, actually let's call played Garrett for either Blunt, team. He played for both teams. We'll, we'll call, call it the LeGarrette Blunt Memorial Bowl, Bowl instead. Right? That's it. <laughs> for today. See ya. Chris, enjoy your weekend. I Everybody will. Else, Work we'll hard tomorrow. tomorrow. Don't mess up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.